Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Tryon. It is good to be with you in this way. I do want to remind you that we worship uh, via Zoom on Sunday mornings at 11. We've got lots of other opportunities. You can find all that down in the description below uh, this video, how you can get those Zoom links, all that kind of stuff, and our schedule for the week. Um, Thanks for being with us, and I look forward to seeing you in those other ways. You you have to be careful for what you wish for. We all know this, right? We've heard it over and over. It's, it's cliche. We've heard it so many times. Be careful what you wish for. And for the last couple of weeks, you've heard me wishing for parables without an explanation. I I really prefer parables without an explanation. In the previous two weeks, here from Matthew, we had explanations about the parable of the sower, the wheat and the weeds. We got these really allegorical interpretations, and there's, you know, this means this, this means that. And so you may have remembered that I said, ah, I love it when parables don't have explanations. Yeah, you have to be careful what you wish for. Because this one, or these parables, they, they, don't, they don't have explanations. And to be honest with you, I kind of wish they did. Because I spent a lot of time this week wrestling with these parables, which may seem ridiculous to you, because in some ways these parables are just little straightforward short parables, obviously. I mean, they're just, you know, knowing what they mean since... Sunday school, right? And yet, I think those may indeed be the most difficult parables, these ones that appear to be simple. And so you, you really do the work, you do the research, you read the commentaries, and, and what you begin to find is they're not simple at all. And that actually this one commentator says this, the other commentator says the exact opposite, and and some will offer these really nuanced perspectives that sound really promising. Wow, this is interesting. And then you chase that down for a while and you realize, well, that couldn't possibly be true. And you can spend, you can spend hours doing this sort of thing. And, and, and you're looking at these parables in front of us today and you're thinking, well, why would you waste your time doing that? Because these are, these are just simple little proverbs. That's what they are. It's just this this kingdom. It starts small and then it grows into something 
great. And that is true. That's often the way things work. They smart start small and they grow into something great. I think that's exactly how the kingdom worked and how the kingdom works. But there's no challenge in that. And parables are challenging. So if we read it and we think we get it and we think that it reinforces this sort of conventional wisdom, ah, I think we've missed the point. In fact, a couple of times this week, I, I, I've wondered, I wondered, I wonder if Jesus was like, really, y'all included that in there? <laughs> I mean, all the things I taught and all the things I've said, and you, you threw this one in about the mustard seed. And here's what we must remember. We must remember that even though these parables are, sh are short, they are not Proverbs. You see, Proverbs are these little bits of wisdom. And in many ways, the wisdom is conventional. Well, of course, we all know that. Although, <laughs> you have to wonder today, you're like, is there such a thing as <laughs> wisdom? Because it's definitely in short supply. Maybe it's not nearly as common and conventional as we would imagine. But that's another sermon, I think. But but but, but parables are these. They 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 don't really reinforce the status quo, or they don't reinforce conventional wisdom. What they do is they subvert our normal ways of seeing and knowing. They disturb, and in our case. The prescribed reading for today actually has five parables. And, and what that means is this is going to be like a two-hour sermon. Because I really want to deal with all five of them. You know I'm just kidding. I'm not going to preach a two-hour sermon. And it wouldn't matter if I did preach a two-hour sermon because you'd just like skip to the end of it. And you'd be done in ten minutes anyway. Um, there's no way that we could do any sort of justice to these five parables because there are some similarities in them. You know, we could sort of give up a, a, a more generic kind of interpretation, but eh, that's not what I'm going to do. I've decided, in fact, that I'm going to take one specific parable, the very first one, the so-called parable of the mustard seed for today's sermon, and then the next two Sundays I'll do some additional parables from this text, but I'm just going to read to you from the beginning here. This is our text for today. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mustard seed. Now, when we usually think of a mustard seed, especially the size of a mustard seed, we think of faith. Or if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, says Matthew, you can move mountains. Luke says, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So that's our first inclination when we hear about mustard seeds. We think about faith. 
But this parable is not about our faith. This power, this parable is about the kingdom. And it says the kingdom is like a mustard seed. And if this were a proverb instead of a parable, I think the lesson would certainly be that from small beginnings come great things. And that's true as far as it goes, right? I mean, from small beginnings come great things. Not only is this true for a mustard tree or mustard bush or shrub, it's true for an oak tree. It's true for trees, right? It's true for us. We started off these tiny, tiny little clump of cells. And then we grow. I mean, that's how it works for much of the life that we know, much of all the life we know. It starts off small and it grows. But, but this is a parable, and so I think there is more to it. There is more to it. For starters, I would think if Jesus were comparing the kingdom to a tree, I would think that it would be a cedar or a sycamore. I don't think Zacchaeus climbed up in the mustard shrub slash tree to see Jesus, did he? No, it was a sycamore tree. And 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 in and in fact to call a mustard tree a tree, it is it's maybe a bit of a stretch in the first place. It's more like a shrub. I mean they can get up to ten feet tall or so, maybe a little taller, but that's not that's about it. And they just kind of look like a shrub. And, and so you wonder if when Jesus told this parable, if he had his tongue firmly planted in his cheek, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and it grows into this great big tree. <laughs> it's the smallest of all seeds. Well, actually, it's not the smallest of all seeds. There are seeds that are smaller. And, and, and truthfully, a better Greek translation would probably instead of the smallest, it probably say a smaller seed would probably be a better interpretation of that. But the thing is, this is unusual, strange. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven to a shrub. <laughs> the kingdom is like a shrub. Well, that's big and intimidating, and <laughs> there's got to be some humor in the midst. Of this. The kingdom of heaven is like a shrub. Some have gone as far to say a weed, that mustard shrubs really are weeds. Some even said that it's a noxious weed. And that's interesting considering we just had two parables regarding weeds the parable of the sower and about these briars, thorns, weeds that choke out. And then about the wheat and the weeds, and you just leave the weeds alone. And now, and now, Jesus is saying the kingdom is like a shrub. And some folks say this shrub was actually a weed, maybe even a noxious weed. I think that's probably going a bit far. I kind of would like to go that route with the sermon because I think it would be really interesting. And that's a really interesting interpretation of the parable, but I don't think it's actually accurate because. From most of the evidence that we can find, mustard shrubs, mustard trees weren't noxious weeds. Pliny the Elder uh, is a first century Roman naturalist, and he says he says that mustard grows wild. 
So it's this wild thing that just kind of comes up here and there. But, but, but that it was also transplanted. People would take it and they'd transplant it. And then once you had sown mustard, it was really hard to get rid of it. So that sort of sounds like a weed in some ways, right? It grows wild. Once you kind of transplant it around and it gets in the soil, well, then it's just kind of hard to get rid of. But here's how it's not like a weed. It, it wasn't bothersome. In fact, Pliny says that it has a lot of health benefits. Mustard. It's good for snake and scorpion bites, toothache, indigestion, asthma, epilepsy, constipation, dropsy, lethargy, tetanus, leprous sores, all kinds of medical benefits that he listed in, in his writings, although some of those may not quite be accurate. But they thought that it had all kinds of healing properties, that it was this really useful kind of shrub, not some weed that you would want to eradicate, but maybe a, a weed that was useful. Grows in the wild, it has all kinds of benefits, and so the kingdom is kind of like that. And it is, I think. Because I think once the kingdom takes root, once it begins to grow, it, it, it is kind of hard to get rid of. And I think it's taking over. <laughs> now it's a long, slow process. But that's the, that's the arc of the biblical story, is that this kingdom is finding its way into the world and it is going to eventually overcome world and there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. Lots of benefits, the shrub of the kingdom. Now when I think about mustard, I don't, I don't really think about it in those ways, right? I mean, I know, I know some obvious benefits of mustard, like it's good on my hot dog. Especially like if I'm eating a hot dog, I like craft mustard, just plain Jane mustard. It's good. I, I mean, I like a lot of ketchup on there, too. More ketchup than mustard. But just this trace of mustard on there is really good. And if I'm having a sandwich or a burger or something, then I, I don't want the plain Jane stuff. I want, like, spicy mustard, like Grey Poupon. When I was a kid, I thought that was, you remember those old commercials, right, with the guy in the Rolls and the Grey Poupon, in the Rolls Royce with the Grey Poupon, and you're like, wow, that is some fancy mustard. And I like that kind of mustard. There's this, you've heard me talk about it before, the craft mustard from Asheville called Lusty Monk Mustard. I mean, with a name like that, it's got to be pretty tasty, right? And spicy. And, and so those are these obvious kind of benefits of mustard. But there were these less, less obvious ones. This was a healing plant, a plant that offered benefits. Good for bites and toothaches and indigestion and all those other things that I just mentioned. And I can't help but wonder, is, is this who we're supposed to be? Is this what the kingdom is like? I mean, when you think about the church, and I'm not making a one-to-one -one comparison here of the church and the kingdom. The kingdom is wider than that. But 
to think about the church as part of the kingdom. I mean, it is true. We're, we're not exactly some giant oak, right? I don't think that's how people think of us. I think people probably do see us as a scrubby little shrub. <laughs> Maybe they even think we're full-on weeds. <laughs> Maybe they're thinking we're noxious weeds and we're just good for nothing, cause trouble. Holier than thou, self-righteous hypocrites. I mean, we could go on for a while, right? I mean, that's often how we're thinking. And even though we're shrinking in number in the West, if you look at the, the data, we're shrinking in numbers here in the West. The truth is we're still kind of hard to get rid of because there's still a lot of us. Once we kind of get in the soil, we take root. And I wonder what kind of healing properties are we offering to the world? We might offer some obvious, tasty, mustard kinds of things, right? Because the church does help feed folks and it helps close folks. And you can look at the civil rights movement and the, the church is a great catalyst in that, even though the church was also part of the problem in that, right? That's, but in what ways are we serving the common good? The good news of God's love, of this new way to live and to be in the world, it is not just for our benefit. The gospel is not this narcissistic, personal, individual kind of thing. But it is offered for the sake of the world, for the whole creation. We have been blessed to be a blessing. You see, the point of a parable, it is not to reinforce what we think we already know about the world or what we already believe about the world. But the point of a parable is to challenge us. It's to poke us and to prod us. And it is to help us see in new ways. It is to help us see with new eyes. And so I just wonder, I just wonder, in what ways is this kingdom of which we are a part? How are we offering healing for the world? It is true. It is true that the kingdom begins on this small scale and then it grows, it multiplies. But it doesn't multiply just for its own sake. It doesn't multiply just for our sake. It multiplies for the sake of the world. It multiplies to bring healing to the world so that God's will really is done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to be shrubs. I'm not called to be some giant oak, and that's not really how it happens for most of us. Most of us never have that kind of influence or prominence. I think we oftentimes set it up that way, right? That there's going to be this one really defining moment in our lives where we can either do something grand for the goodness of the world or not. That's not really how it works. We're, we're shrubs. And it's a little here and it's a little there and it's day after day after day and it's slow. 
apparently mustard seeds kind of grow fast, but I think in this work, this is where it's a little different. It's just a little here and a little there. And over time, the goodness and the mercy and the love of God, it takes root. It takes root in deep ways. And it helps us to be healers and reconcilers. The kingdom of heaven is like a little mustard shrub. <laughs> yeah, I think it probably is. Amen. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus. Children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. And you are part of the kingdom. You are part of the kingdom. So bring heaven to earth. Bring God's love and mercy to bear in every last single thing that you do. And may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen.